You're listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, where reporters and journalists go on the record about how they use the Internet to cover the news. For the latest trends, tips, and tactics on how the web shapes popular opinion, subscribe to our RSS news feed or visit us online at www.ipressroom.com. Blogger Elizabeth Albrecht goes on the record. I do imagine that the sheer number of press releases may diminish. Uh, simply because we had to use the press release as a channel because we didn't have any other good mechanism. And I think you're going to find with a blog you can actually talk about a lot of things that were very borderline. Did it deserve a press release or not? And I'd love to see the sheer number of releases go down where only the most important stuff actually makes it into the form of a press release. And thanks for joining me for another episode of On the Record Online. This is the podcast that brings you the story behind the story. We do in-depth one-on-one interviews with journalists from the mainstream media as well as, from time to time, discussions with influential bloggers, podcasters, and newsmakers, Uh, and we talk about how technology is changing and threatening to disrupt the media business as we know it. I'm your host, Eric Schwartzman, and I am the founder and president of iPressroom Corporation. We help organizations integrate the web into their marketing communications and public relations initiatives. Uh, I am also personally and professionally interested in how technology is changing the way organizations communicate and the way people consume media and information. Today we have a one-on-one interview with Elizabeth Albrecht. She is the uh, founding chair of the New Communications Forum along with her partner Jen McClure. Uh, I attended the first Newcom Forum last year in Napa Valley and it was really my introduction to b- what blogging is all about. Uh, yeah, I thought I knew what blogging was all about but I really didn't get blogging until I went to this conference. Now, that's not to say I didn't get new media because I launched iPressroom before blogging was even around and uh, this is a tool that organizations can use to um, extend the impact and reach and frequency of their voice and of their communications via the web. Uh, But the blog arose as really the the champion of personal expression and uh, we're seeing it used uh, quite effectively by so many individuals to do just that. I will be attending the uh, forum again this year. We're going to be doing some podcasts from the forum. Uh, it actually happens March 1st, 2nd, and 3rd in Palo Alto, so it's right around the corner. Uh, if you want information on it, you can get it at www.newcomforum.com. And uh, I should say that I'm also uh, moderating a panel up there, so um, full disclosure. Uh, I'm looking forward also to um, participating in the video blogging uh, hands-on workshop which is going to be on uh, the first so um, that should be interesting uh, also something I wanted to mention uh, and I, I mentioned this you know from from a nonpartisan position uh, I thought it was very interesting to see that uh, Donald Rumsfeld the Secretary of Defense uh, gave a speech to the Council on Foreign Relations uh, last week in New York, and uh, he actually cited uh, the importance of strategic communications as really being half the battle. Um, he cited email, blogs, Blackberries, instant messaging, digital cameras, uh, global internet with no inhibitions, cell phones, handheld video cameras, talk radio, 24-hour news broadcasts, and satellite television. 
as being uh, where 50% of the war is fought, the war for public opinion. And uh, certainly, you know, he is somewhat disgruntled about uh, what he feels is the mainstream media's inability to provide context in their coverage of the war. And it almost seemed to me as though he was making an argument in favor of uh, a direct communications program uh, for the U.S. Department of Defense. Now, hopefully, obviously, we wouldn't see that replacing the press briefings because they are valuable, and uh, I think editorial uh, filtration with that kind of information is is critical in a democracy. We all know that. But at the same time, it's interesting to see that you know, just as corporations and nonprofits and agencies are starting to realize, hey, we need to be doing our job online as well. It's not enough to do it in the offline world. It's not enough to do it in the world of old media. We've got to be able to communicate in the world of new media as well. They're just starting to wake up to it. I've been evangelizing this since 2000, and people are just starting to wake up to it now, largely uh, because the bloggers have taught people about the value of online communications. Um, but it's interesting to see that the Department of Defense is Department of Defense is starting to catch on as well. So I mean, we see the the impact of new media not just in uh, in professional circles, but in government circles as well. And we see it is ultimately uh, changing not just the way companies communicate, but the way wars are fought, the way public opinion is 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 manipulated and massaged. This is powerful stuff. So if you're not thinking about this, if this isn't something you figured out a way to do, uh, now could be the time. Um, I want to plug a couple of dates. Uh, I am uh, going to be doing next week the Executive's Guide to Podcasting here in Los Angeles. Uh, looking forward to that. There's still one slot available for that conference, so if you're interested, you can get the information at www.schwartzmanpr.com. Uh, also, uh, I'm going to be uh, doing a workshop at the AdTech Conference in Moscone Center, April 27th. That's going to be a um, panel on podcasting and video casting, and you can get information on that at www.schwartzmanpr as well. Uh, and I'm going to be doing a series of podcasts from the Newcom Forum. I'm currently in the process of scheduling to interview a number of the keynote speakers and a number of the panelists that will be there, and there are going to be some real thought leaders there. So I'm really looking forward to doing that. If you're a subscriber to the show, you'll get those as they become available. Um, if you are not and you want to be, go to www.ontherecordpodcast.com and you can get them there. If you have questions, comments, or feedback, um, anything you want to send me at all, you can send it to eric at ontherecordpodcast.com. Uh, I appreciate your comments, and they help me decide who to interview and what type of things to discuss in my interviews and, and so forth and so on. So I really do appreciate the feedback from the community. Keep it coming. Uh, and now, without any further ado, we are going to play for you the interview with Elizabeth Albrecht. Uh, she blogs at participator. Uh, no, I'm sorry. PR.com is me. She blogs at CorporatePR.com. Uh, she is a prolific blogger uh, and uh, certainly a thought leader in the space of uh, blogging and online communications. And uh, we are going to play this interview. It is about 30 minutes. There was a... Um, at one point in the interview, Skype cut out on us, so I did go back and 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 edit that out and and put the two together. So there is a cut in there. 
Uh, but I hope you enjoy it, and if you have a chance to uh, come to the Newcom Forum this year, please come up and, t- and say hi. I'd really like to meet you, okay? Thanks so much, and here is Elizabeth Albrecht. Don't be left behind. Get the latest online PR tools and services from my press room. Powerful, easy to use, available on demand. Extend your sphere of influence online with iPressroom, tools for online media centers, virtual private press rooms, RSS news feeds, podcasts, and more at www.ipressroom.com. iPressroom, always on, even when you're off. Elizabeth Albrecht, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. So I have to tell you... uh, uh, I, I, it was November. When was when was the first Newcom form in Napa Valley? It was uh, a little over a year ago. Right, in February now, of two thousand five. So I have to tell you, uh, at the time, my my partner, Chris Bechtel, said that I should go to this, and I kind of rolled my eyes and I said, I go to these things all the time. What's the point? He said, No, 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 go to this one, and I did. And I have to say, it profoundly changed the direction of my career professionally. Wow. And totally woke me up to this whole area of blogging and podcasting and RSS. I mean, I really thought I understood it and knew what was going on until until the new com form. Starting with your keynote, which uh which was just fantastic. And um and I want to thank you for that. Oh thank you. I'm I'm just pleased to hear that we had such an impact on you. That was our goal. So now we're getting ready to do the um, the the second Newcom forum uh, in uh, in Palo Alto at the Sheraton, and it is going to be uh, opening with workshops on March first, and then the forum mm-hmm. is on the second and the third. How did you come up with this? I mean, how did you get into this, and uh, what do, what do you hope to gain out of uh, producing uh, the Newcom forum? Well, you know, for the first Newcom Forum, uh, it really came out of a state of frustration where we kept noticing conferences pop up and, you know, maybe there'd be one session on blogging. And, you know, as as we looked across, the people who are early adopters here looked across the industry and said there's a desperate need for education uh, for professional communicators. Um, so our first goal to do the forum was to pull together a bunch of people uh, with our blog buddies and uh, put some workshops on so people could learn about this. We were really trying to raise awareness. Uh, and I, I think that we accomplished that goal nicely. So as we sat together and, and started thinking about what we'd want to do this year, uh, we really wanted to to be much more in-depth, to have a broader range of subjects, because the markets moved tremendously. Um, last year we did a lot of what is a blog. Uh, and this year we're trying to move the conversation to a new level, so saying, okay, you know what a blog is, okay, what do you do with it, and why is that important? So let's back up for for a minute here. A lot of the listeners of this program um, don't necessarily know why a bl- why blogs are so important. So just I guess from forty thousand square feet looking down, why, what's the big deal? Why are blogs so important? Well, you know, blog is just one of the tools uh, that we pay attention to here in in the arena of participatory communications. But what I think the most important thing is about all of them is that they're tools for network building. And what I like to say is that the job of communications people today is to build social networks, uh, to, to encourage 
and engage with the networks you already have. And when I say networks, you know, the various audiences. I mean, you've been talking to press and analysts, you've been talking to customers, you talk to your employees, and all of these different silos um, are talking to each other now. So our goal is to is to understand the tools that are existing today to help build and nurture those networks. And then focusing on the blog specifically, I mean, are there one or two reasons or what is it about a blog that makes it so interesting? Well, you know, the first thing when I when I first was looking at blogs, the thing that just completely struck me about it was that it enabled you to do things as a professional communicator that you couldn't do before. We just really didn't have a good channel for informal communications. Um, and we had our press releases and we had email and you call your pre press and you go to the shows. But so many of those channels were being shut down for various reasons. So when I saw it, I said, oh my goodness, this is something that, you know, you can use to have a personal voice, not this kind of voice of God marketing. Um, voice. So I, that was very interesting. And then as I started to use it, I realized that this is an incredible connection tool uh, and that it allows you to go out and engage with people on a level that you really couldn't do before. Uh, and I think that remains one of the very exciting things about blogs. One of the things uh, that, that's so exciting about blogs to me is the ability to RSS-enable content. I mean, essentially, it's an add, water, and stir content management system that's very inexpensive and uh, anyone can take advantage of. Can you see other applications for RSS beyond just blogs? Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, RSS is, 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 in one sense, you can think of it as the enabling platform for all of this participatory communications. Um, I mean, the ability that for content to break free of its home and float uh, around the web, attaching itself to other content, which is what RSS enables, basically, I think is really interesting. Um, I think you're going to see it pop up more and more in different types of applications, and you're seeing it now with calendaring uh, and events planning and even advertising, and we'll be talking about some of those uses at the forum. So one of the things that you do on your blog, Corporate PR, is you break down what's going on in this area of new media and make it easy to understand for people who don't necessarily uh, have a background so in, in new media and and blogs how do you describe RSS to someone who doesn't know what it is well you know it's it's really a step-by-step -step process um, you know I, I start with just telling them it's an easy way for you to bring information to you in the form that you want uh, so you don't have to go out and search for it. Uh, I also talk about it, how it enables content to be delivered outside of email jail. Uh, because spam has just blocked so many email channels, uh, being able to get your information that you want daily in real time through uh, RSS is, is simply fantastic. Uh, but it's it's not an easy sell. It's too technical still. Um, I'll be very happy when you know RSS kind of disappears. Uh, because it's just done and it's easily enabled. Now I know one of the tracks you have at the Newcom Forum is uh, an advertising track and mm -hmm. there is a panel on RSS as an advertising platform. Um, it's going to be on March 2nd. Uh, tell us about what's what the developments are in that respect. I mean, are is this now a, a channel for advertisers or once I guess unsolicited uh, material winds up in that feed, does it become less valuable? Well, you know, it's a it's a real debate, um, you know, because there's a whole group of purists out there uh, who who just don't want ads with anything. 
uh, and it really harkens back to the the growth of the web uh, back in the 90s. Uh, but when I talk to people like uh, Dana Vandenheuvel, he, he's very convinced that there are ways to put ads into feeds that's appropriate. And if you look at it from a publisher of content, uh, we can't all of us keep doing this for free forever. <laughs> so there's got to be a business model in there somewhere. And I think there's a lot of potential for RSS to help provide something. Uh, but it is not uh, an automatic process. There are some things that need to be worked out. And we've got some great people who are going to be part of that panel to talk about the kinds of things that are happening with RSS uh, as it moves within the desktop environment, but also as it moves out into the mobile world, because there's a lot of interesting things happening with RSS and mobile phones. One of the great things about Google and Yahoo is the idea that you can actually buy an ad against a keyword. And those Ads are uh, um, you get those ads contextually against your search, so they don't really interfere with your ability to see the organic results at the same time as you see the paid results. And I guess maybe one of the challenges, at least that I see with RSS advertising, is it's a linear format. So how might you pr introduce advertisements into a, a linear stream like that in a way that's contextual? Well, you know, right now with RSS, you can certainly have uh, photos and content um, ju beyond just text uh, as, you know, you have posts uh, appearing one below the other. And uh, there might be ways of doing it in conjunction with the authors of the posts. Now, there'll have to be some technology behind that to make it happen, but I do think it's possible. Um, but you are right. Today, it's, it's a very linear format, so the ads that I'm seeing mostly are along the top. Um, or kind of embedded as a as a post of its own, uh, but uh, these are these are definitely the kind of questions that uh, the panel will be discussing at the show. Now, um, you, you mentioned blogging as being a, a wonderful tool for individuals to empower and uh, and extend the reach and impact of the individual voice uh, through the one-to-many characteristics of the web. So, how might organizations? Take, take advantage of blogs? Well, you know, we have to remember that an organization is a collective of people. I mean, these are all individuals who are working together towards a common goal, or at least that's the theory anyways. Uh, so by giving all of these different people the ability uh, to share what their thoughts and what their talents are is, is a great way to, to put multiple human faces on what we often see as a monolithic organization. So by having various bloggers, your employees, bloggers, and so forth, it can be you know, a great way of, of spreading the word uh, about your organization. But indeed, there's other ways you can use blogs um, as, as more of a, a formal team. Uh, style blog where you have a number of different people coming in through an official corporate blog uh, versus a lot of different ones. Um, I mean a lot of the first uh, corporate blogs were personality blogs. They were one leader at an organization talking about what he or she wanted to talk about um, where you know there are other options to that uh, such as doing team blogs uh, and I think you'll see increasingly more of that. What does all this mean for the press release? We hear so many people saying, you know, the press release is dead. And then you have, um, you know, people like Shell Holtz saying, well, no, it's not dead. It still represents the official company company line, and there, there's a role for that. Certainly, we know public uh, companies have the need to uh, uh, disclose information non-selectively, and so, you know, they need to uh, comply with regulation, a, a fair disclosure, and, and clear the wire. 
Um, but does this mean that the press release becomes less useful as a news-breaking tool and more useful in an archival sense? Uh, I think you've got a point there. Uh, I mean, clearly, I, I'm with Shell on this. I do not believe that the press release is dead. I spoke to a group of 100 people yesterday in England, and uh, one of the uh, one of the other speakers asked how many people had written a press release that week. And out of the 100 people, I think 99 rose, raised their hands. So clearly, it's not dead yet. Uh, but um, indeed, it is a legal document. Um, if you talk to you know PR people and reporters, was news broken through a press release, I, I'm not sure that happens actually very often, uh, particularly with big news because you're going to call up your key reporter and say, hey, I've got this big news, I'm going to give it to you, etc. Uh, but I think there is a critical need for it as, as an archival piece, uh, as a, uh, a short, well-written description of what it is that's new that particular day. Um, so indeed, it will not be going away anytime soon, if ever. How do you think this might affect the newswire services, the paid newswire services? Well, as long as it is a disclosure um, requirement, particularly uh, for public companies, I don't think it's going to affect them too much because they're continuously going to be using that. Uh, but uh, I do imagine that the sheer number of press releases may diminish. Uh, simply because we had to use the press release as a channel because we didn't have any other good mechanism. And I think you're going to find with a blog you can actually talk about a lot of things that were very borderline, did it deserve a press release or not. And I'd love to see the sheer number of releases go down where only the most important stuff actually makes it into the form of a press release. Berkshire Hathaway, which is um, uh, the investment uh, company of mm -hmm. Warren Buffett, who has been called by many uh, the investor with the Midas touch recently mm -hmm. purchased business wire uh, should he have been listening to this podcast or is he missing something do you think he made a bad investment <laughs> well far be it for me to to say Warren Buffett made a bad investment uh, but uh, you know it's I think ultimately the wire services may have some problems I mean they're facing a lot of competition on the web there's a you know a half a dozen free uh, or paid distribution services through the web people were using business wire and PR newswire uh, just to hit the web I mean it was just a handy way to to put releases across uh, in the broadest distribution possible um, I mean most people weren't necessarily using it to get to j journalists so as if there are more and more channels for that I think again the numbers are going to fall so you know, maybe they'll be adding new services, and uh, it'll make sense, and their business will grow. But right now, I'm, you know, I, I'm suspecting there might be an upper limit there. So you think the majority of public relations people who clear the wire, um, and if they're not, say, let's let's actually let me qualify that. So you think that the majority of uh, a public, uh, the majority of public relations uh, professionals who clear the wire for private companies, see that as a way of getting to the web. You know, I'm not sure I would say a majority um, because different industries are going to be using things in different ways. I mean, I can speak primarily to the tech industry. And if you look at the releases coming across uh, the wire from the tech industry, I mean, I would say a vast majority of them probably should not be going over the wire. Uh, and, uh, you know, at least in, in my experience over the last few years uh, with startup companies, I mean, our primary goal for putting things across the wire, you know, at least a few years ago was, was to hit the web. 
So, uh, so the majority you know, today of today, I'm not sure. So the majority of releases that these releases you're saying that should not go over the wire that are. Why do you think they are going over the wire? What do you think the people who issue them are hoping to gain? Uh, to make their CEO happy. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's a little cynical, but uh, you know, I think that uh, the first the first idea is that we've got to put out a press release the minute anything happens, uh, and people, you know, need to become a lot more discriminating to say this does indeed deserve a release or this doesn't. Uh, and I think it's you know kind of knee jerk reaction to put out a release for everything, and and uh, I, I don't think that's the best strategy. Now, one of the um, uh, other tracks that's going to be running at the Newcom Forum is uh, new approaches to corporate communications and uh, the idea of uh, managing information overload in the age of digital influence. And you wrote a very interesting piece on this recently about social bookmarking. Um, so let's start just from the top here. What is social bookmarking? Well, you know, if you know what a bookmark is, if using your browser you see a site you like, you bookmark it, it's, it's in a big long file, uh, and maybe you'll go back and visit it, and if you're like me, you probably don't. Uh, but it it is an interesting tool, but limited in that no one else can see what you're interested in. Well, social bookmarking changes that. What it allows you to do is to bookmark a site on a web uh, service like Delicious, for example. Uh, it says, I think this is an interesting article. You classify it with a keyword. Uh, and you can keep track of what uh, you're interested in a particular subject. But what makes it even more interesting is that other people can read the same articles that I'm interested in. I'm working on a wiki study. I put lots of things into an art, um, a keyword called wiki studies. Anyone else who's interested in wiki studies can go look to see what I've bookmarked. Um, another interesting thing is every article, you can see who else has bookmarked it. Uh, so you're starting to get this collective uh, intelligence building around what's interesting, who's writing interesting stuff. Um, you know, I read everything Howard Rheingold bookmarks because I know what his delicious feed is. I can subscribe to it via RSS, and he writes about stuff that I'm very interested in, so I can follow that. Uh, so it's it's an interesting way of seeing, uh, you know, what other people are interested in to share information uh, and to keep that information organized in, in a sense. Uh, online, which makes it easier to to collaborate via uh, via those those different categories. And there are other services too beyond just Delicious, right? Oh, sure, sure. There's plenty of different services. They're popping up every two minutes, it seems. Um, there seems like Furl, there's Dig, there's uh, Shadows. There, there's a, a a whole number of them. And how does this help me um, figure out what's popular? What people who what 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 the majority of people think is of is of interest well what these sites do is they they in fact um, create some lists for you uh, that says these are the most popular articles um, of the day uh, which are the ones that are most bookmarked so you can really get a sense of what the buzz is around a certain uh, topic of the day and then within uh, different categories you can see what the most interesting ones are because it'll tell you how many people have linked to it. So you see an article that 275 people have linked to for example you can say well you know that that tends to be an article that is interesting and perhaps um, I can actually trust what it says. Uh, so uh, it, it does give you the sense if you travel across these sites um, what what the buzz is any particular day, week, month or so forth uh, online. 
We are dealing today with a more sophisticated, consumer-savvy audience than ever before. Uh, more and more people uh, cite that they don't trust the media as much as they used to, certainly not the mainstream news media. Uh, since this is user-generated content, these, these social bookmarking sites where people can um, tag the same page, I mean, what's to stop uh, an organization that has 200 people in their marketing department from all tagging the same page? And, I mean, do you think that's potentially where we're headed with, with something like this? Or are we able to discern what's popular now because uh, it's only being used by early adopters who perhaps respect the uh, organic nature of the tool? Or, or, I mean, do you think it's sustainable? Well, you know, the simple... Uh, decision that something is good because a lot of people have clicked on it or a lot of people have linked to it um, is is today the way mo things are decided to be popular um, and uh, I think that is indeed a problematic way of deciding what is good quality information um, because it can be abused I mean we see it with with Google and 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 some of these other tools uh, so certainly uh, today it's useful as it moves forward if the technology stays as it is today it could become less useful but there's a lot of research being done in algorithms and other sophisticated ways of of figuring out what indeed is popular uh, and what indeed is influential and uh, I think you'll see as the sophistication of the technology goes up the tools will evolve and we'll still be able to to keep ahead of you know the people who want to abuse the systems one of the reasons that RSS has become so popular is because it is a lingua franca that allows you to distribute news and information uh, by a common set of, of, of information classes. So when you get into the issue of folksomony in social tagging and bookmarking, how is it that we can have some sort of common way of describing the same thing, or, or is, that, is that a problem? Well, you know, if if you take um, tagging, for example, um, and you, which is something actually, there's some some reasons psychologically why it's actually different than bookmarking. Um, bookmarking tends to be done in a very categorical uh, way, whereas tagging is 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 associative. It's you see something and you just start throwing keywords at it. Um, so you have a picture of a flooded lawn, and maybe somebody will call it Hurricane Wilma, and somebody else calls it flood, and somebody else calls it home, and somebody calls it lawn. So you have all these weird um, words that are associated with it that, you know, to any one person, you'll not necessarily find information that way. But what happens is, as you start to have this, this buildup of different um, and I, I think of all of these different words, all these different classes, if you will, um, roots to information. Um, and you start to get um, clusters of these roots to information. Uh, and it seems very, very chaotic, but over time, in fact, um, you do have some very interesting um, ways that this stuff comes together to, to enable you to find information more quickly. Uh, so it's it's... Uh, a rather fascinating thing to take a look at. I mean, are we seeing, you know, the development of, of collective knowledge? I mean, the question's not answered yet, but I think there's some very, very interesting things going on here as, as different people who don't know each other spread around the world just start adding information and then suddenly uh, it seems as it's coalescing on certain, certain uh, generally accepted words and phrases and so forth.
Now the third conference track at the new Forum is uh, titled The New Media and the New Face of Journalism. And this is the track that excites me the most. Um, and I should say that I'm going to be uh, moderating the panel on podcasts and video blogging. Um, what excites me the most about this category is, is for the first time, as a communicator, um, we're no longer uh, limited to helping other people have ideas and breaking news um, that is ultimately going to be conveyed through a media filter to, to whatever audience that media caters to. Now, for the first time, we have a cost-effective way to communicate directly with constituents. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that, that, to me, is, is obviously very exciting. That's the reason that I do this podcast. Uh, what do you think, I mean, do you see ultimately uh, marketing and PR people focusing on, on creating content that is interesting and, and vibrant and compelling to their target audiences? Or do you think they're still going to be looking to get to them through media channels or both? I would say both. Absolutely, because there is uh, definitely a role for the mediated uh, presentation of facts and so forth. I mean, the journalists, uh, the traditional journalists, are not going to go away. We need them uh, because, let's face it, every our jobs as PR people, as marketing people, are to be biased towards our own organization. Uh, we are trying to persuade through fact and emotional ties and so forth that what we have to say is right and interesting. Um, but we can't offer, you know, well, no one can offer a purely objective view, but what mediated communications uh, through journalism, for example, it, it does bring in the other points of view that we as a company may not be willing to do. So there's certainly a need for that. Uh, but you know, the ability to have unmediated communications across the board is, is a huge opportunity for us. Uh, because you know, as, as practicing uh, high-tech PR during the early 2000s, I mean 2000 to 2003, I worked mostly with startups, I mean, and I think a lot of other people will agree with me that it was virtually impossible to get any type of real ink in a print publication for them because, you know, the the page numbers had decreased, there were fewer staff, and, you know, unless you were a large company, you weren't getting coverage. So if you're a a small startup company that's not going to get covered in in the usual places or you're a niche company, these are really, really great opportunities for for you to get around uh, the mediated press. So uh, I think you have to look at both ways of doing it because the other side of this, and we have to be very aware of this, is that because we now have mediated and unmediated channels, the reader has to develop some new skills. Um, We always used to laugh that, you know, the readers will believe anything that's in print. Say if it's printed in a newspaper, it has to be true, and we know damn well that's not the case. So, uh, you know, as, as readers start to, to digest more and more unmediated content, they're going to have to become a little bit more savvy about what can be believed and what shouldn't be believed. So I guess therein lies the value of uh, editorial oversight and uh, exactly. you know, the ability to um, maintain command and control style communications, which I guess from a media context is still quite valuable. Well, I'm not saying necessarily maintain command control communications. But, but, it, um, but I doesn't am- it? I mean, if you're going to have a, an edited newspaper with editorial oversight, decisions have to be made about what oh, remains oh, you in mean and from what, the, what comes out. Okay, you mean from the publisher standpoint? F- from the media standpoint, whether it's a publisher right. or a broadcaster. 
exactly. whenever no, I'll agree with you. Whenever editorial oversight is maintained, I mean, the subjectivity mm-hmm. comes into play, and we know that objectivity is a myth. But one of the mm-hmm. beautiful things about the blogosphere is that uh, you know transparency and authenticity are not a myth. Right, and I think that the media, the mainstream media, can learn a lot, uh, and are being forced to learn uh, some new skills in terms of transparency and media and, uh, and authenticity. Because you know, I, I tend to think that objectivity has to come from a new place, which is giving people the ability to trace back the steps that you took to come to your opinion. Uh, so you know that in a lot of ways, that's what blogging does. You say, I have an opinion here. I read this person and that person, and this person. This is why I came up with it. And you know, when we read an article in a magazine or in a newspaper, we often don't see that. We see. Oops. Sorry about that. No, that's okay. I still can't we... figure out how to turn off the calendars. When I <laughs> when I get the when I get the email, it doesn't do that. But when I get a calendar item pop up, it does that, and it's it's, it's oh. embarrassing. I'll cut it out. No, that's okay. But I, what was I saying? Um, I was. Uh, la, 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 la. Oh, I was saying when you were when you read a newspaper article, or you you don't you see a lot of anonymous sources, and you can't trace those sources back. Uh, you have to just trust that it's okay, and I think that's where the trust is weakening. So now the um, the. Uh the f- the fourth track and the fourth and final track of the Newcom Forum is the new world of marketing. And now, is your background marketing or public relations? Public relations. So it's interesting that you know, I guess people in PR are now being asked to take a look at marketing because direct communications implies marketing. This is something I actually struggle with. Uh, it seems to me, based on my knowledge of the history of public relations, that public relations was originally about communicating with the public and then as the media grew in power it became about media relations so if what we're being asked to do as a result of new media technology is focus back on the public why does that necessarily mean that we are engaging in marketing well you know basically when I think of what marketing is uh, it's it's selling the idea of of what your company and our products do. I mean, maybe it's your brand, maybe it's down to a specific product. And I think that, uh, I mean, there's certainly different strategies and techniques that are used in there, but overall what we're doing is we're telling stories. We're telling stories about our companies. We're telling stories about our executives. We're telling stories about our products and services. And, you know, whether you call it public relations, whether you call it marketing, whether you call it advertising, that's what we're all doing. So at the very highest level, we're all doing the same thing. We all have to be very tightly coordinated in this new world. Um, and I think, you know, people have been talking about integrated marketing and so forth for years. Uh, and, you know, s- some few do it well and, and many don't. Uh, and, I, and I hope that uh, as all of these new tools come to force, uh, and again, as we're talking more unmediated, where you have PR people who are maybe talking directly to the customer, y- you definitely have to be more tightly integrated into the other functions of communications in your firm. Give us, if you would, just a a brief overview on um, the the different types of people that will be attending, not by name, but by by what they do in the organization. I mean, will we have as many people from the advertising world and marketing world as from PR? Uh, Well, you know, I haven't looked at the latest list, um, but I suspect we're probably still relatively heavy on the PR. Uh, across the board, although I know we've got, you know, marketers and journalists and aspiring journalists and, and folks from advertising as well. Um, but, uh, you know, the the 
interest right now, I think, is 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 very very strong on the PR front, uh, and uh, you know, people again are are looking at this very cross disciplinary, and uh, I think most of the people who are going to be there are going to be you know mid to senior level decision makers, both agency side and uh, and uh, in house who are. Uh, you know, if they're at a large company, they may be focused on Marcom or PR, uh, and if they are at a smaller company, they're probably wearing all hats at the same time. Now, we've talked a little bit about the different tracks and some of the sessions. Tell us about the mm-hmm. keynotes. Well, I'm really excited about our keynotes because we have a really nice variety of people. Um, you know, when I was first kind of putting together the idea of of the keynotes, and, and in fact, all of our participants, I really wanted to have... Uh, a, a good split between leading voices that were both male and female. And uh, if you go to a lot of tech conferences these days, you'll find uh, it's 80 to 90 percent male. Uh, and as a woman, you know, one of my goals with, with the forum was to bring more female voices into it. And, I, and I'm happy to say that we've, we've done that really, really well. And, you know, as I was looking, uh, I went to the speaker's wiki, uh, which is a, a something that uh, Ross Mayfield over at Social Text put in play after uh, a conference last year. And I started looking for, for powerful voices across the, and, and Rebecca Blood came up. And I said, of course, Rebecca. Uh, and, uh, you know, she was one of the earliest bloggers. She wrote a book about blogging uh, and just was a very, very interesting character. So uh, I sent her an email and said, you know, would you be interested in doing this? And she said, yeah, that would be really fun. So uh, Rebecca was the first uh, of our keynotes that we got on board. And then... Um, the the next folks, Jeremy Wright and Jory Desjardins. Uh, Jeremy was one of our speakers last year, as you might remember. Uh, and Jory uh, and and I have come friends through Blogger and some other things that she's done. She was actually also at the conference last year. So uh, I thought it would be really, really fun, given that Jeremy's recently written a book on blogging and Jory has also uh been a writer and, and contributor to to a book to have them do a, a he said she said kind of a, a keynote presentation at lunch about the different things um, that are going on with blogging and so forth. So uh, I'm really excited about them because they're both very strong personalities. They're both very funny. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and of course, uh, Charlene Lee uh, was one of the first analysts to to really explore uh, the blogosphere, to explore blogging as a way uh, to build reputation, as a way to explore what was going on out there and share her views on that. And she immediately, I mean, very shortly after she launched her blog, became very, very popular. Uh, and she she's just a, an absolute expert uh, on these new technologies like RSS and viral marketing and blogs and so forth. So uh, I'm really excited to have Charlene join us and talk about the latest research that they're doing and how they're they're seeing the market develop. And then finally, uh, uh, I'm absolutely thrilled that uh, Shell Israel and Robert Scoble uh, are going to be. Uh, talking about their book, Naked Conversations, and I uh, had a chance to to talk to Shell quite extensively at Lay Blogs uh, in Paris here back uh, in the winter, back in December, and I challenged him, and I said, you know, we've talked so much about listening and about conversations, and, and I said, well, what happens after listening? What happens, av- you know, as companies are saying, hey, we're listening to you now, and People are very excited about that, and they're saying, hey, we have now have a way that we can communicate with companies that we never had before. But it's going to rapidly become a problem if those companies don't actually do anything with what they're hearing. 
How do they move the suggestions that they're getting into action? How do you co-create products? How do you open the doors more widely to the people who are interested uh, in, in contributing in some way to your company. So I asked them, you know, they talked to, God, I think it was more than 180 people uh, about where they were with blogs and, and what it was happening with them. And so I, I have asked them to, to, to kind of think about a, as a closing keynote to, okay, what happens after listening? What's the next step here? Uh, and I, I'm really looking forward to hearing what they have to say. As am I. I'm actually uh, reading the book just now and enjoying it very much. That's great. I actually uh, kind of read things along as I went uh, on the blog, and I haven't actually had a, gotten my hands on a copy yet, but I'm looking forward to it. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to speak with us. Um, even though uh, you're, you're, you're far away in Paris, uh, thanks to the uh, technology of voiceover Internet protocol, we were able to do this uh, podcast, and I'm able to record it here on my computer in my office in Los Angeles talking to you in, in Paris. And uh, therein lies, I guess, uh, one of the benefits of, of new media. Yes, absolutely. And, and what's so exciting, too, about the forum is, is we're bringing some Europeans with us. So we're going to get uh, a more international view uh, than, than we had last year. We did have a couple, uh, but we've got some more people coming in. And we, we have to remember the blogosphere and online is a global phenomenon. So we can't just keep thinking about the U.S. Well, I, I appreciate that, but if you wouldn't mind, uh, in the left bank, just stopping by La Durée and picking up some of those macaroons, <laughs> I'd really appreciate that, too. Well, I see if I can pick some up before I come over. Thanks so much. Okay, thank you a bunch, Eric. You've been listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, where reporters and journalists go on the record about how they use the web to cover the news. For the latest trends, tips, and tactics on how the web impacts corporate reputations, subscribe to our RSS news feed or visit us online at www.ipressroom.com.